Today on Cinematics, space truckers and a really bad case of indigestion. This is Alien. I still don't understand what you're doing in this game. Perfect organism. It's structural perfection is matched only by its hostility. Hello everybody, welcome back to Cinematics. I'm Ryan. And I'm fucking Polly. And today we are back from our uh, hiatus over Christmas. Um, our vacation break, as you would call it, maybe, or maybe you wouldn't call it that. I don't know what you'd call it. The holidays. I, the holidays. That's the word <laughs> I was looking for. Bodes well. Bodes well. Yes, it does. Um, and today we're going to talk about Alien, the first. The first. Um, another one of Polly's suggestions. Um, you said you've watched it twice now? I've watched, I've watched it a handful of times, most of the time when I, uh, when I, as we discussed before, most of the time when I try to watch it, I fall asleep. Fair enough. So this Fair is enough. probably like maybe my third time. Third watching. attempt. Yeah. But you made it through this time. I did. You got yeah. through to the end. This is like the I think the third time I've seen it in full. Oh. Yeah. Oh, so you've watched it a few times. Then, yeah. Yeah. This will be the third time I've seen it in full as well, actually. So this will be a first for this show, I think. Of. Uh, oh yeah, where we're both on. Where the we're same, both on the same level. Yeah. Um, sweet. So, uh, I think we should just dive in with some discussion of special effects. Yes. Um, and the first thing that stood out to me, having been and grown up as an avid Star Wars fan, mm. is the opening to the movie beyond just the title sequence that was really quite innovative. I, I really enjoy that, yeah. that piece by piece slow title sequence really mm sets a tone for the whole movie you know it's creepy and eerie but slow yeah and it kind of like i don't know even in a way when you think about it when it when you start seeing the lines on the top of the screen it's kind of like i don't know forming maybe like the xenomorph's own language or something it feels like it could be anyways for sure um and then we follow it up with the shot of the uh the nostromo yes from underneath as it flies across mm-hmm. classic imperial starship sort of thing yeah um but to me it felt like they they used the same technology they used the same techniques i guess is a better word mm-hmm. for it right they, they they it felt like they took models they put them in a little box with black wall paintings yeah and then flew them across in front of a camera or, or they could have even could have even had it just on a on a you know some strings or something and they could have even just you know dollied the camera past it oh true it was moving too made it feel like it was actually oh that's interesting because i didn't i didn't get that feeling with the when watching the motion of it right well it's kind of like that feeling you know when you're you're in the car and it feels like something's like um uh, how do I, you know what I'm talking about? Like when you're in the car, but like, it seems like something is moving slower or quicker than you it's are. A, it's essentially a parallel. It's almost like you're moving backwards. Yeah. You know yeah. Yeah. I mean? You watch yeah. a guy, someone going past you at like 140, say on the highway. And it feels like you're moving backwards. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you're going real slow, <laughs> yeah. in which case you better tap that driver on the shoulder. Yeah. You know? you're like, Hey man, wake the fuck up. Ain't no need to be gone 140, but like speed limits. Nice. So just, uh, since this kind of just popped in my head, but like, since we're, we're talking about like, ship intros we talked right. about star wars we talked about alien yeah what do you think your favorite ship intro oh because there's a few out there oh you know what i don't i deserve to be crucified for saying this 
I really do. But the intro to Star Wars Episode Three. Oh yeah, that's where, a good one. Where I it like opens up on that space battle yeah, over no, Kurson. No, that's that oh, was yeah, that one's awesome. I watched that movie in IMAX 3D when it first came out, and I yeah. was floored. Yeah, dude. Yeah, that that's a good opening sequence. Yeah. I have to agree. Yeah, and like yeah. just just the way it surprises you, right? Because it's like, oh, it's a yeah. ship. Okay, whatever. Well, yeah, and then like you know, like when it opens up, it's like boom, boom, and then like it's just slow, and then all of a sudden like the two like starships just like enter the frame, and then it just like follows. And them. then we follow them, and they yeah. they almost on a leash they take us through yeah, yeah. That, that has to be as far as like that's a good one spaceship intros go that's probably mine what about you space balls oh yeah <laughs> the yeah ship, the ship just takes forever just to just to pass that, that scene must be like what three minutes long at least <laughs> feels, just the ship going feels longer <laughs> feels like 10 by the time you get to the end of it uh, uh but so speaking of of space stuff then yes um Something that I found really interesting about this is the, I don't know if it's obvious, I don't know if it's intentional, I don't know, all I know is that it felt to me like Rid, Rid, uh, Ridley Scott, I almost called him Ripley. Ripley Scott. Ripley <laughs> Scott. It's almost like Ridley Scott took 2001 A Space Odyssey mm -hmm. and like grabbed their production designer and said, make my movie that movie, but my movie. Well, and also managed to kind of accomplish the same thing with a different production designer too yeah you know, like i guess made it, made it his own he's like you see you see that i want you to do that but make it my own sorry i'm just going to the um because i want to i want to confirm i should have done this before but i wanted to confirm the name i think it's hr guy i'm, I'm fairly certain it was but i'm not sure if he was the production designer or if he was just the creature designer where the heck is the full crew button on this freaking thing fun fact about uh uh hr geiger too is he did uh a concept all drawing. right production oh. design michael seymour oh well shit so i think hr geiger would have been he must have just yeah done the, the creature designs design. yeah which you you can totally feel his his design in, in oh, the yeah. alien and everything. Well, um, what I was saying before was uh, H.R. Geiger actually did a, a concept drawing for the Batmobile in Batman Forever. Really? Yeah, because they oh. wanted it to look natural. So uh, they it didn't look anything like the Batmobile. It looked totally abstract. Like it was like wow. Like organic almost. Hey. Yeah, it almost. I don't know. Like it almost looked like a starfish. A star. Yeah, that's like the best way I can describe it. It was Starfish. really bizarre, really, really fucking bizarre. Well, I mean, hey, you know, like that's what he's known for, so you might as well just do yeah. what you're known for, right? But like that, like there was no, there was nothing to do with the Batmobile and that. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> but so, so, so to go back to to the Kubrick idea mm -hmm. for a minute, I feel like um, some of the some of the things that that reminded me of a space odyssey besides just the edit because obviously there's like the the really really slow creeping camera movements that sort of reveal mm. hallways mm -hmm. and, and move through stuff yeah uh there's the the long takes and the the um few cuts in a lot of places um the slow progression of the story the quietness of the whole thing all of these mm -hmm directorial cinema cinematographical elements but then there's also like the design itself right like look at um I was looking through some of the more 
technological cores, like the the computer room, say, on the right, ship here, yeah. or the, the some of the room or like the mechanical rooms that they wander into. Where yeah, they have all the coolant canisters and stuff. And and a lot of the the like more officey type spaces, the the cabin, all that kind of stuff. They're really really white. They're very like um, stark, very um, uh, all all of that kind of stuff. And it feels like that's the same look. So I, it's interesting to me, I guess, that, that right. you can see even what would it have been eleven years? I guess you could say it shows like two sides of space travel because in in Stanley Kubrick's two thousand one Space Odyssey, you don't really see those mechanical aspects as much. Like maybe when he takes out Hal five thousand. Yeah, I mean it, it's more it's it, more about the people getting doing things. Yeah, than like it is about the actual going, technology going to other dimensions. Yeah, it's less about like the that. actual ship itself. Yeah. Whereas Alien, like, that's where the whole movie takes place. That's where we start, and that's where we end. Well, actually, yeah. we end on the shuttle, but which but is it, still an extension all, of the ship anyway. So. It's all contained within yeah. the ship. We don't even, we barely even leave. Like, there's, there's what, five minutes of the movie or ten minutes of the movie where they go out, and we're, for most of it, we're watching through the camera as the people on the ship watch them. It's not even, right. other than when they get inside and they have to show us what happened to a point. Yeah. Um. Oh, no, actually, sorry, they do also enter that alien planet. Well, that's what I mean, but they're still on the ship the whole time, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, like, not everybody leaves the ship. Yeah, and and a lot of that sequence, we live on the ship. We're with Ripley, we're with those other complainy bastards who can't stop talking about the fact that they (laughs) want their cut. They want their share, man. Yeah. Um, Real space truckers. And I guess, like, um, when you kind of look at 2001 and uh, Alien 2... When 2001 opens up, it's very boombastic, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, like you see like uh, you see Earth and you see the moon and everything. And then um, it just like just the, the music and everything just like really like heightens that sense of like wonder you get with space, I guess. Whereas Alien shows a more grim side of space. It does. It's like no one in space no one can hear you scream sort of thing right well it's true and i mean it's it's just a small crew of people coming back from a mining expedition essentially right yeah and and they're stuck they're stuck with what they got and they if you if you get attacked by and i guess that's where like because we were talking before we started rolling about about the silliness of putting a self-destruct button on a ship because it's like (laughs) i mean you're literally asking for you know a terrorist threat or like a mutiny or something if somebody can just turn on a self-destruct by themselves i guess um, i guess you could say earth would have its own self like its own defense systems but even still like what if you managed to scrape through that and you just crashed into like a the Wayland Corporation. Well, or even, or even just, you know, hijack the ship full of like expensive research equipment and just hit the self-destruct button yeah. and be like, oh, sorry, you're blown up now. But, but to that end as well, it, I guess it makes sense when you're traveling the deep reaches of space beyond, you know, they call it beyond the frontier. Mm-hmm. They're beyond the edge of this frontier. It makes some sense, I suppose, that if you get abducted by aliens or or taken over by this or that, like it's... Or even if you get stranded and there's like no way out, like if you're running out of oxygen, you're like, well, there's nothing I can do here. I might as well just hit the self-destruct button. Well, but in that sense, they probably wouldn't want you to because there was, what was it, 20 million tons of ore that was mined on that ship? Yeah, something like that. So... They lost when that ship blew up. They lost twenty million tons and who knows, of raw material. Yeah, and who knows in the movie how much 
that stuff is worth. And and how much it costs to get it. Mm-hmm. How much money they spent to get that that towing vessel how to yeah. you know out there and the manpower and the people getting paid for the trip and this and that like like there's so many factors they wouldn't want it blown up like it yeah. wouldn't make sense but for the plot they had to have it yeah so but um another point on the kubrick thing too that i found interesting because in in 2001 um it's it's a very quiet movie for the most part mm-hmm. um and and so is this and it's interesting to see how quiet is used especially in horror movies uh, it, mm. it's used in other in other places the same way too you can look at war movies and war movies do oh, it. Yeah. you can look at all that kind of stuff but like sucking sound out is how i've heard it described if you take all the sound away and then you make a really big loud sound afterwards yeah it feels louder and a, a great example mm. from the movie is when they're looking for the the alien face hugger what, what do you call those they have a name yeah. i think they're are called, they just face huggers? i think they're just I called they're face just huggers. yeah they're they're looking for him in the med bay after he's gotten away and then like super quiet there's no music there's there's like a tiny tiny bit of room tone you yeah. don't hear people breathing you don't even hear footsteps for the most part mm-hmm. and then suddenly someone crashes into something and it's just so yeah. loud Bang. and so startling and it's yeah it, in some ways it's it's scary but i guess in some ways it's just i guess too loud. like you know if you find yourself in that situation like you know I'm just going to use a really bad example here, but let, let's say you lost your cat. Right? <laughs> so you're like looking for your cat. And that's, <laughs> that's the only thing. Uh, that's the only thing you focus on, right? Like you're not paying attention to the sound or anything. You're like, where the fuck is that cat? And then it just jumps out at you. Yeah. I mean, I mean, to, to, depending on the situation, I would argue that the lost your cat scene in this, the people that the things that these people did was pretty silly yeah. And so far as like, oh, I'm just going to wander off by myself and look for this cat who can perfectly find take. Wow, that was a sentence. Fine take. Who can perfectly, finally take care of itself. Anyways, the cat can take care of itself. You don't need to go hunting for it. There's no reason. Your mission is to get the fucking alien. Yeah. Get the alien and then find the cat after. Well, yeah. And why would, like, yeah, why would you go wandering off by yourself with this unknown alien organism? Yeah, if you're going to look for the cat, fine, but, like, do it together That's... and also look for the alien at the same time. Well, and they also know that the thing has, like, parasitic properties, too. Like, they've seen the thing, like, bust out of someone's yeah. chest, and they're like, they're like, oh, yeah, go find the cat. It's like, fuck the cat. Fuck the cat, man. Yeah. Fuck fuck, fuck the people that let them in. But, I mean, <laughs> you know, we find as we find out later, like, Ash, Ash's mission is to let them in. Yeah. Um, but... And he's the one who does it. Initially. And he is the one who does it, yeah. but the, the captain... The commander in chief of this ship says, fuck the rules. You're letting me in. Yeah. Um, It's like, no, leave him in quarantine in the airlock. Go back to the ship. Leave him there for 24 hours and see what the fuck happens. And when the alien bursts out and kills them all, like, great. Oh, no. Three people are now dead. But there's five crew members or four crew members who can now safely fly home. Yeah. You know, jettison the airlock. Leave it open for an hour or two to, like, (laughs) kill kill everything in space because just in case, you know. Well, like, I guess kind of just made me think of like, you know, like, uh, in a movie where they're like, you know, you don't, don't disobey a, a direct order and they're like, no. And then they end up winning the day. But in this case, he did like, he kind of like, not, he didn't. not, yeah. Like he didn't necessarily disobey a direct order, but like, you know, it, he it, disobeyed the law. Yeah. He disobeyed the law and it had like serious consequences. Mm-hmm. I really appreciated that actually, because like, like you said, there are a lot of movies that, and it's cliche um, too, right? It is when, when people are like, Oh, we're going to do this because we have to. And it's like, Oh, but you're not allowed. And 
laws are in place for a reason. And like, while I'm sure there are, there are some dumb, there are some dumb laws, and there's also you know instances where there's a gray area too. Where right? where you know, and it's like, yeah, sure, this is the law, but like sometimes you got to be able to just you know do things a little bit, or like some laws. But there are laws in place for a reason, and a law like that is in place to prevent happening exactly what happened. But it's mm-hmm. also entirely believable. And too, yeah, and like you and know, the characters would do that, and you know, like you, you don't really know how you'll react unless you're in a situation like that. And this guy is like one of their really old friends too, right? Mm-hmm. So they're like, no, like we can't leave him; he's fine, you know. Like they've been together for too, who right? fucking knows how long. And they, how long were they sleeping? Like a month or something? Or more? um, I don't think it's. They specified. said that they said they were halfway there when they came out of cryo, and halfway there with a little bit of a twist in their path to take them to this planet plus like two days say to get down there and get back up and then it was 10 months back so they were probably in cryo for six to ten months I would oh imagine. okay oh, okay so yeah i mean who knows what kind of side effects that might have on someone's mind too oh all kinds i yeah. mean have you seen the movie pandorum uh some of some of, some of it some of it there's uh there's definite side effects in that movie and that's another yeah. one that like yeah it's not you know it's not like a a tier a like most well-written movie ever made but uh it's, but it's really interesting. really yeah. interesting and it's super yeah, so, I, on I, a slight I, tangent yeah like i remember that scene like i don't remember specifics but i was just like holy shit it, like i think it's on netflix again it was off for a while but i think they brought it back on and oh, it's, okay. it's definitely worth a watch if you're like a psychological thriller sci-fi like it kind it feels like alien in a lot of Mm -hmm. ways oh yeah big time Um, yeah so there is that yes um but the slow and quiet and the loud noises that that comes comes along throughout the whole thing um the design uh of the ships now talking about the design of the ships there's also the way in which they played the special effects throughout like the chestburster uh, mm. segment mm-hmm. well i mean first of all the interesting fact that you know the actors weren't told what was going to happen and then suddenly blood explodes everywhere and this thing comes out and they're like actual what the fuck actual <laughs> like fear out. yeah and and scare on them from so, that sometimes actors get pissed off too when you do that because they're like i'm a professional there was some other movie i can't remember what it was it might have been stripes the one where bill murray and harold ramis joined the army okay and uh, seen it. they did they did something to the guy who played the drill sergeant, I think, and he got like really mad. And he got really mad at them because he's like, they did something to him and it like freaked him right out or whatever. And then he he got really mad at them. He's like, I'm a professional. Like you don't do shit like that and stuff. <laughs> I, I mean, on on one hand, I can see that because like you're you're Depends being who you're working with. You're being yeah. You're being yeah. paid to do a job and to do a, acting. So like on one hand, if the the director doesn't tell you what's going on in in, in an effort to get a real result yeah like that's that's almost it could be taken offensively because it's like oh what you don't think i can do this on my own actually uh better example is uh, in uh ghostbusters when they dropped all that shaving cream Mm -hmm. on uh peck he didn't know that was going to happen they they just told him to stand in the spot and they just dump like fifth like or like 500 gallons of this stuff oh on my him. god <laughs> i guess he got really pissed off because <laughs> i mean just the weight of that it was just shaving cream but just the weight but of oh it, yeah that's like, that's still like that's not a comfortable experience but that's like filmmaking in the 80s too like yeah. i mean now they would just do it digitally or some stupid. well I mean, maybe I, not di- we, maybe we not all digital not. but we would hope not with shaving cream like effects like that would definitely be we would hope would definitely be real but there, there's certainly a level of of 
physicality that comes with movies like Alien, where mm-hmm. you you're shooting this on film, and you know you have all of these effects that are 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 real, like you can tangibly and and sure you know the trained eye can look at uh, say um, uh, Ash's head on the table. And mm-hmm. and there's there's that jump cut that they didn't for oh, whatever yeah. reason cut it's around. A little jarring. Well, they didn't yeah. cut away and cut back. Like if they had cut away to a reaction and then cut back, like it would have worked better. But even still, like the effect was really well done. Where mm-hmm. you you can it's see creative. he's like sticking his head through a hole in the table. Yeah. Um, they put some like they put some prosthetics on his neck and everything to like look, cover it. Yeah. yeah. Um. And then they also had the body in the background, which was just like a like a dummy i guess a with piece like, of a torso yeah exactly with a bunch of wires and stuff sticking up and they had someone's arm reached up around it at least i think that's how they did it. that's how it looks to me and then the you know and then the arm just kind of moved react. yeah well and and it and it feels real even though mm-hmm. you can look at it and if you look really carefully you can kind of yeah, see like, oh that's that's fake but, but still like it's there it's like it's physical and yeah. if you're watching the movie to watch the movie and you're not analyzing it and you're not like trying to like break down how everybody made things and, and mm. what techniques they used. It, you, you wouldn't really notice in the first watch through necessarily. Yeah. I mean the, the jump cut makes it a little more obvious and I, mm. I don't know why in this, cause we watched the director's the, yeah, cut. Yeah. I was just about to say that. And that yeah. was something that I would have thought would have been fixed in a director's cut where they're like, this jump cut is awkward. Let's insert, you know, a cutaway to, to people to, watching. Lo- yeah, you know, exactly. Get that, some, yeah more complainy looks or some fearful yeah. looks or, or whatever and then come back but just jones there we go <laughs> just you know what in a completely different look cut away to jones <laughs> that's just that's the solution to everything in this movie you need you need to get away cut to jones yeah, you need cut this jones. cut to jones just to know like just so everybody knows he's still alive it's important the cat is the most interesting lovable character in the whole movie yeah i can't even finish that sentence but <laughs> i mean it uh, the, the idea of having an animal in space is really interesting. Yeah. Um, because maybe, maybe people was... would get really stir crazy mm. and having a pet would be nice, you know, having yeah. like a, a cat or a dog or something. Yeah. Dang, or maybe not a dog, but yeah, a dog would be, well, depending on how well trained the dog was. True. Yeah. I love, excuse me, Jesus. I love dogs, but, um, there's definitely a level of, uh, uh, sensitivity s- to the ship's materials. You don't want a dog like yeah. smashing stuff. Yeah, and you up. can also separate yourself from a cat, whereas a dog is a little bit more reliant that, on you. That is very true. The cat can wander off and do its own thing, as it does. Mm-hmm. Again, why the fuck not just leave the goddamn cat to its own devices? Yeah, and, and <laughs> let ev- the let and the alien. Yeah, you know, even if that's the case, you know, people are probably gonna hate me for saying this, but it's Uh-oh. just like let the alien take the cat. Well. At the end of the I'm day, I'm surprised that that it didn't because it had more than enough opportunities to get it. But it also looked like it wasn't looking. So so it here, wasn't looking it for wasn't the looking cat. It wasn't looking for food. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right? true. Right. So yeah, here yeah. here's the argument. Like it 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 obviously it probably eats some stuff of them. But at the end of the day, it's looking for a place to lay eggs. Oh yeah, that's right? true. It's yeah, looking yeah, yeah. to create a nest. Mm-hmm. So and a cat of that size is not not a threat a threat it would have been a good food source yeah um but it's also it fights back it's very small it hides really well and you know yeah, as much as true. they say it's yeah. the perfect ma- killing machine the perfect predator uh you know it's a lot of effort but it's also smart too it's like man i don't need to deal with this stupid yeah thing. exactly yeah. it, it, yeah, knows, no, it knows better yeah, it knows true. better good point um Touché. uh something interesting that i noted as well 
Ah. Um, I guess we should probably stick on special effects before I go changing the topic. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, um, let's uh, talk about the design of the alien. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. So I had a thought, speaking of the design of the alien, ah, okay. that I was I was going to bring up uh, when, at the movie. And while we were watching, I decided to wait. And it, it's, it's pretty minor, um, and it might not even lead to anything. But I just thought, you know, it's clever that they made it humanoid. And it's mm. clever that they made it humanoid because they can just put a person in a suit. Yeah. You know, mm. when an alien is not humanoid, it's like like take Jabba the Hutt for example from Star Wars, or or like any of those Star Wars like creatures even, that are non-humanoids. Well, I guess the thing the thing from the thing is technically is a humanoid. Technically, but like you couldn't put a person in that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Whereas whereas there's definitely a shot in this movie where you can see like if you look hard enough, you're like yeah. That's a dude in a suit mm. wearing a giant mask. And, like, yeah. it, again, lends the realism to the fact that there is somebody physically there, both for the actors and for the audience. Um, and it's just easier. It's cheaper. It's not yeah. nearly as, as much work. Well, and the other the other thing is, too, is, like, with – I don't know if, like, we've talked about this before, but, you know, like, uh, with CGI, you – no, I think we talked we talked about this in film school, but like it's the uncanny valley, right? Yeah. You can still, even though it's there, you can tell it's not really there. Yep. And having a dude in a suit, even though at sometimes in the movie it looks a little cheesy, probably because they just haven't perfected it yet. It was like the first of its kind, right? So the suit was probably really stiff, and it was probably hard to move in. Mm-hmm. Again, you can coming tell, yeah. coming back to Batman from 1989, really yeah. thick fucking rubbery suit, hard to move in. Or uh, probably couldn't cr- see in uh, it. Calling back to our Christmas episode with Jingle All the Way. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> if you haven't, uh, if you haven't watched it yet, go check it out. It's pretty great. <laughs> we we it's, pretend it's, like it's we have listeners. <laughs> 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 we talk like we actually have listeners. <laughs> uh, excuse me, we have listeners, Paul. Jesus. Yeah, we got like eight. <laughs> um. Anyways, uh, it's interesting that way for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you know, it probably wouldn't have been easy to move in. And it would have been when I just find some of the details that you can put into actually physically making something like with with the alien, like there's layers like when you look at it and I think it even applies more in the sequels, too. But like when you look at it, you can see that there's like layers like on the head. It's kind of clear. And then there's something else underneath it. And then there's another layer on the side. And then it just has like all these different ways you can paint it and mold it and cast it and do all that these different things. That makes it feel right? real. Yeah, and just the way the light might reflect off of it. Like, if you know, at the beginning when you're looking through the egg and you can see the face hugger moving around and everything, right? Yeah. It, it's hard <laughs> to replicate that digitally. Mm-hmm. And even in this era, like, I, I'm glad with the 2003 remake that they didn't try, unlike the, the Star Wars oh, prequels yeah. where they, or the Star Wars trilogy where they remastered it digitally and it oh, looked awful. Man, that um, dance number in Return of the Jedi just dance number that singing oh well if you could call it music yeah like what the hell was that i don't know i try not to ask too many questions (laughs) about things like that to be perfectly honest um but yeah and and i mean to 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 go on that star wars thing i mean compare it to like say rogue one i was i was very very impressed with the digital mapping of grand moff tarkin he wasn't there. He wasn't real. And it was very nearly, it was teetering on the edge of uncanny. There, Valley. there were times in that movie where I was, I was looking and I was like, that almost looks real. Like it, almost it, like it, it's so close. I was really, really impressed for, for as far as like digital faces and things go. I think that's probably 
as good as we've seen for replicating a human face and one that we recognize that's what makes it so challenging is as everybody who's seen star wars knows what grand moff tarkin looks like yeah, yeah. and you know they they decided to take on the challenge of bringing him back because his character was so important even though the actor is no longer yeah you know with us i just hope they don't make a habit of that uh, i don't think they will but i mean then again you know with star uh, Carrie fisher being dead now and uh just for the record Carrie Fisher in Rogue One looked terrible. I'm sorry, but like you she mean, just looks so weird. Like, I, I did, mean, I didn't find. I mean the that. CGI, the CGI Fisher. Sorry, I didn't find that at all. I, I, oh, I but that was so with both weird. of them. The first time I watched it, I, I totally bought it. Afterwards, someone told me it was digital. I was like, okay, that makes sense. And I watched it again. I'm like, okay, I can see the digital now. But like, <laughs> now that someone mentioned I, it to you, <laughs> I, I bought it, and and yeah. and that's impressive because that's unusual. For yeah. digital effects versus having physically a, a thing in front of your face. I, I mean, I found with like Grand Moff Tarkin, it was like kind of like where you have to like unfocus your eyes a little bit, and then it looks a little more real. <laughs> like, <that's kinda laughs> maybe it's because I saw it in 3D then that it didn't bother me so much. Oh, maybe because you know it it focuses you where it wants you to focus for the for the 3D effect, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that that was just me anyway. Like, I mean depends how your eyes work how good your eyes are you know whatever, yeah right so to the design aspect as well i had one more point that i thought we could talk about which was the actual design of the the ship mm. itself oh actually one more thing i want oh, to add yeah. about the alien too was uh i th i heard this a while ago but i think they and I, I mentioned this to you briefly but i think they use like i think specifically they used mercedes car parts or something like that really to construct some of it like you, like when you see the close-up of the alien's head like you can see like little hose like yeah i mean when it like, opens its mouth you can definitely see on the uh yeah the webbing on the side of its mouth yeah there's... and even like maybe inside the long like the elongated part of its head i think they had like some mechanical some things yeah like Interesting. that's what i heard that's what i remember hearing i don't know if that's entirely accurate i mean the creativity that people put into throwing together some stuff like this is oh, mind-boggling yeah. yeah i mean even to go back to talking to about annihilation when uh you were away Cal oh right. callum and i chatted right, about annihilation right, yeah. and 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 the way in which they constructed these gigantic lichen lichen walls out of out of people and just melded all and like like all physically you know and it's just mm -hmm. like it's stuff like that that I think really defines our craft. It defines what we do. You know, there's a, there's a difference between taking, taking a little bit of money and, you know, digitally adding in some stuff and making like sort of like this moment, yeah. but, but like you're, you're creating a space for a, an, essentially an army of creative craftspeople mm -hmm. to do what they specialize in and create their own piece of this you know art puzzle that ends mm -hmm, up getting yeah. fitted together yeah and and when moments like that happen where there's just these insane set pieces or these just just crazy crazy costumes and it's just it really yeah it, it makes me it makes me love what well, i do yeah more. and i i like and i think we talked about this with blade runner too was uh how they use cgi just to enhance the practical effects that they had yeah. Right. Because they like they built miniatures of cities and they did all that kind of stuff, but then they they used the digital effects. Like for example, rain. If you were to rain would be kind of hard to get 
with a miniature just because the raindrops would probably look so big. Right? Yeah, they look you, out of place. Even yeah. if you shredded them up a little bit and you got them like as small as you could possibly get them, they would still look like they were too big. Yeah. Right. So I mean, just adding in rain, like rain, and you know, in post. Yeah, in post, yeah. right? I, but that that's different than building an entire visual. And again, I, I hate to sound like I, I hate visual effects because I don't. And there's I, certainly no. there's certainly things because like for example, I just recently went and watched Aquaman. Ah. And uh, you know, it was exactly what I expected of a DC movie, I suppose, which is pretty half-assed writing and uh, <laughs> not very good. Unconvincing special effects. Yeah. No, no. You know what? That was the best part. Oh. To, for me, the the visual effects in that movie were were beautiful. The the design of Atlantis and the design of the the armor and the ships and the the battles that they created and all of the all of the the world that they built was beautiful and that kind of stuff I would love to have the budget and the opportunity to work on a movie where you know to to create a space like that like a, a full blown sci-fi magical alien whatever mm -hmm. city like they did yeah. and they did a really good job of that in Aquaman I, I will give them that for <clears throat> sure I would also say that uh, one of the advantages of using CGI as well and I'm going to use an example from uh, the Amazing Spider-Man 2 of all movies. Oh boy. But when I haven't when, seen it, so okay, so spoiler spoiler alert. But when when Gwen is falling down um the the clock tower at the end, mm -hmm. I didn't realize this, but they actually CGI'd her hair in to make it move a certain way. So really? Yeah. I didn't like I watched the making of it, I was like, holy shit. They like, yeah, they CGI'd her hair just so they could have they it. They have it blowing the right way. Yeah, or like, yeah, moving in a certain way or like you know, like, uh, dr like dramatically or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. So CGI definitely has its advantages too. Like if you need something to do something very specific, you can do that with CGI, especially with objects. When it comes to living things, it's a little bit, it's a little bit more difficult. Yeah. But yeah. with objects, it's a lot easier. And I mean, you know, when you can, when you can hone your hone and refine your product with, with visual effects, like why, why not just do it Yeah. to, to, uh, you know, as long as it's not to the detriment of the project itself. Exactly. Um, I had a, I had an example of that and I've lost, lost what it was, but that's okay. Um, so you were, uh, we were going to talk about the ship, the design right. of the ship. We were going to talk about it. So mm -hmm. the first thing I guess is we, if we start on the outside of the ship, yes, I, it, I really found that the tone of the whole movie is set in the first five minutes. And and that's really mm -hmm. important in any oh, movie. Yeah. And I think mm -hmm. in that sense they did a really good job here because you've got the Nostromo, which to to quote Paul, to quote Paulie over here, uh, is basically a floating refinery. Uh, you know, it's just it's just like the four big towers, right? Yeah. And and it just looks so industrial and so old. And then we go into it and we're going through and everything is dark and dingy and and old and i mean i, I know like, like greasy and grimy yeah and like just kind of like worked in yeah you like mechanical yeah like that you know like that feeling you get or like when you get stuff under your fingernails when you've been working yeah you know, it, it like feels that, so gritty. visceral yeah and and i mean to the uh to the time as well i guess because in the in 1979 when they made this movie you know digital wasn't really a thought a twinkle in the eye is the same yeah, as yeah yeah for the most part um 
So they so, were trying to advance the technology that they had at the time, which was very mechanical. Very analog, mechanical, yeah. You know? And so all of these analog computers, and I think we've talked about this in another movie in our podcast, maybe. Or maybe I've just talked about it with Blade somebody. Runner. It was probably Blade yeah. Runner because I really enjoy um, – yeah, the original. Yeah, because I really enjoyed that yeah. aesthetic about that. Well, and even the way that they carried that over to the sequel as well. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just – And it's, it's the same fun. with this one. Yeah, and it's fun just seeing people interact in all like – all these like different ways with like all the stuff around the ship. Now it's just like with digital, they're just like poking at the air with like all these, like, I I would love to see some behind the scenes footage from star Trek, watching people like (laughs) poking the air where the green screen stuff is going to be inserted, you know, exactly. Um, but at least with, with these, you know, the analog is really interesting. And I, I just, I like that aesthetic of, um, just, like old like fax machine noises whenever they yeah. try and pull stuff up you know c- supercomputer brains that are entire rooms <laughs> they and all like, have like tape running through them yeah yeah <laughs> you know and um and just the whole feeling of of working and and you know yeah blue and collar. Just, yeah it's so intricate too mm-hmm. and i probably mentioned this on another one but uh, um another podcast but I'm going to go back to Ghostbusters again when, you know, you see them using the proton packs and it's just like, they're always, they always kind of look different and like complicated. And and like, I just, I don't know. I like, I like seeing that. I like like levers and buttons and switches and, Mm -hmm. you know, just, yeah. Like totally. And, and, and the ship itself, um, it was interesting because we were talking about at the end there when she, when she runs to go get to the escape pod and she runs into the alien and she drops the cat and runs away and then goes to try to stop the self-destruct, but it is too late to stop it. And and we were sitting there like, why is she turning it off? Why? Ah, uh, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, and then she, she get she goes back the other way and we're sitting there like, why, why is she going back? Why is she in the exact? And then it dawned on me. I'm like, oh yeah, because that's where the escape pod probably is supposed to be. Yeah. But because everything looks the same and the place is so dark and it's so, like a maze well like we were saying it's like uh it's they're flying a ship equivalent to the size of a small town pretty much Uh, essentially yeah yeah, it's gigantic to be able to carry that and while they're part of the ship like the non like the technical part is probably not even that big but it's it's you get lost in it the audience gets lost in the in the maze of tunnels and things and and while the characters know where they're going we're kind of just left to be drawn along behind them you know and sort of find our own way through so when she's running back and i'm like she's in the same spot there's why is she going and then i'm like oh because she has to get to the escape pod which is in the same spot that the alien was and for some reason she didn't think that maybe the alien would have gone into the escape pod when it figured out she was trying to get there as well and um but and it was it was pretty smart too because it was it was probably like a budgetary constriction too where they didn't have a whole lot of money to build all these like crazy sets and different parts of the ship right I'm sure maybe in the original draft of the script, they might've had more parts of the ship that they showed, but they're like, and we can't like make all this. Let's build six hallways and five bedrooms. And then we'll just redecor the rooms and, mm-hmm. and redress the hallways so that they look different. Um, you know, it'll be like, Oh, we'll go down this hallway and then we'll turn a corner and it'll be the same hallway, but the lighting will be different. Yeah. So it'll feel different. And it, and it works. And it'll it, be, works. it does. Yeah. It really does. Cause you never feel like you're in the same place twice, even when yeah. you are again, that same scene, we're in the same place. And it took until she, it took the lighting to tell me it was the same place when she got close to the end of the hall and that white, like flickering strobe light is going yeah. off. I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. So she is in the same place that she was before. Yeah. And uh, the other thing that I just thought about with the uh, the Nostromo too was, 
like how we were saying that it it looks like a big flying refinery pretty much and they're probably refining those like raw materials that they, they brought could, back yeah. at the same time as they're in cryo sleep or whatever. I mean that would be the wisest choice you know from a from a business standpoint like mm -hmm. why would you not start the process early yeah in that whatever ended up probably 20 months it takes to fly back that it seemed like yeah you know and then they to quote the old taco bell commercials they're good to go is that wait really <laughs> yeah. that's a oh my god that's a taco bell commercial <laughs> yeah what do you, how old are we talking like we're, what 90s yeah we're talking like way back maybe oh early boy. 2000s oh boy yeah <laughs> I forgot about commercials. You know, on a slight tangent, because you mentioned commercials, <laughs> I was watching TV for the first time like a little while ago. TV? Yeah, T.V. <laughs> it's, this, it's this thing, right, where like you, you pay for cable to come to your house and then you plug it into your TV and then you get these channel bundles, you know, and, and you get to watch commercials. Like, commercials yeah and then like broken up of a show? commercials broken up by fragments of this show that's pre-scheduled so you can't choose anything right and you can't like you know you can't like you know you get channels or whatever but essentially you just kind of watch pre-programmed anyways <laughs> i forgot how crazy some of the commercials that play on like yeah on like ytv even you know i just like nerf gun commercials and like all that <laughs> like it was those the, are fun commercials. I saw some funny shit recently. Yeah, yeah. There's but that's neither here nor there. That was just because you brought up commercials. <laughs> um, something we should talk about character a little bit, I think. Agreed. Um, like, for example, the two workers um, who are just like the ship mechanics, essentially. Oh, like, uh, or were they mechanics? What I, were they? I, I think that's what they were, yeah. They seem like they were the... Because they were like repairing... They <clears throat> were repairing the ship. So they were yeah. probably the engineers, essentially. Yeah. Um, and all they, all they ever talked about was the fact that they wanted their, their, their cut, you know, mm -hmm. it was like, yeah. you know, it's like, this is their ship and they're flying this stuff. That, that makes me wonder though, is our, cause they're probably not the miners. This is probably, they're, they're not ah, just, yeah. they're, they're, they're literally just truck drivers. Like they're the dump yeah. truck drivers mm -hmm. that got the ship to the planet where the mining colony is, yeah. it got loaded up, and now they're traversing the ship back. Yeah. They didn't have anything to do with anything else, and they're just excited because they have a huge payload, and they want their you know yeah. fair share of these 20 million tons, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Um, the other thing I liked about um, the two engineers, too, was they were like they were pretty much polar opposites. Arthur. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't remember the other guy, but I like I like how they paired them up. They were like buddies that like knew each other for a long time. They've obviously worked together on yeah. multiple missions. Yeah, and they were just like like he goes I, I go where he goes. I go where he goes, right. Because they're they're always like they're always hanging out. Right. Yeah. And also uh I guess Ripley is another well, <laughs> I like so, how we mentioned those two guys yeah. before. Ripley. I mean I, I feel like that that's the important one that we're gonna have to talk more about, but I just I wanted to mention them because I found them amusing. Yeah. Uh, and they're, they're like total side characters, but they're some of the most, I don't know, to me, the most fleshed out and believable people. Yeah, they, in are, the whole, they are very believable. Yeah. Because Ripley. Okay. So what, 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 what do we know about Ripley? She's um, she has the a cat. third officer of the ship. Yeah. And I'm guessing possibly medical. To no, I no. don't think so. Because uh, the only reason I thought of that is because when they were trying to get on the ship with that, you know, with the dude with the face hugger on him, she's like, I'm not letting him but, on. But that that's just standard operating procedure for mm. ship commanders, right? So mm. you, you have Dallas, who's the, the number one commander. You've got um, 
I don't know who the second one was. They were both off the ship, though, because she was in charge when they were both off the ship. So it was one of the other people. It might have been the... The face hugger guy? The, the Britney... The Britney... The British guy. Was he British? He had he had a... a the, the synthetic? No, 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 no. Oh, that guy. The, the yeah. face hugger Yeah, the guy. face yeah. hugger guy. Kane, yeah. Kane, that was Yeah, right. Kane, yeah. Um, but, like, we don't know anything about any of them. Not really. I mean, we know that... You, that find, you find more out about Ripley in the second one. Yeah, I just, I just, I find that fascinating. That, yeah. And and I've always been intrigued by with the idea of telling stories where you present the audience with a person who does things, and you don't um, tell them anything about that person, and you just let them sort of play it out, play it out. And and I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. It's just an interesting conclusion when I can look at those two guys pretty firmly and say, like, I know exactly yeah, you're kinda who like, you are. You're like, I've known those two guys before, or I've worked with a guy like yeah. that, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, they're like, these are the two engineers who've worked on this ship. They've run this thing over and over and over again. And, like, who's Dallas? Okay, he's the captain. Yeah. And uh, and, and he's he gung-ho, breaks, I he guess. He breaks the rules. He breaks the rules once or twice. And then he sacrifices himself because he broke the rules. And then he gets cold feet. And tries to leave and gets eaten. Yeah. Then, having said that, having said that, it is important to talk about or note the fact that the main character of the film in 1979 was a female mm-hmm. and a very strong female. Um, yeah. She took no shit, man. Which was very groundbreaking at the time. Yeah. I mean, this isn't news to anybody. Uh, this isn't Actually, a new I think, topic. I think even before, though, there was, well, at the time she wasn't as badass until the sequel, but I'm saying Sarah Connor. Oh. Oh no, actually that was that, no, was, that was later. That, that was later. Yeah, yeah, that, that was, was later. Much later. Never mind. Yeah. Wasn't Terminator like 2000s? The first Terminator? Yeah, it no, wasn't ni- it? 1984. It's that old? Yeah, the first Terminator. Oh, buddy, yeah. I did not even. <laughs> I'm wow. surprised at you, Ryan. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I've seen them all, but it's not like I I know. Oh, fair enough. I I, I don't yeah. know. That's that's weird. I don't, I don't know. know why I thought that. But anyways, it's it's later by five years. Yeah, uh, I guess then. Yeah, but I think I'm, yeah. I guess you could say well, technically doesn't count, but I guess you could say even the first one was like maybe the the robot from uh, Metropolis. <laughs> I guess you could say that's technically <laughs> I the mean, first one. <laughs> yes and no. I mean, yes the the, no. the robot in Metropolis plays a bit of like it's a, a robot. Like, well, first of all, she's a robot. Second of all, yeah. she's she she has some agency. But mostly she's just sort of doing the bidding that she's been programmed to do. Yeah. So it's not she's not really Yeah, she's more of a pawn than anything yeah. in a lot of ways. Whereas we're talking in in this film, this is this is Ripley taking command of a whole bunch of people who don't ever overtly say that they don't respect her. Yeah. But you can tell that there's a little bit of like yeah, there's kind of like uh, I don't know. I mean, you're 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 a woman in command. Why are you why are you yeah. barking around like this? Like you but don't like, know what you're doing. She like when um, Kane came in with the facehugger, like she wasn't gonna let him in. No, she was and, gonna and, leave and, him and there. Every, everybody everybody ignored her, even though yeah. the movie wouldn't have happened if everybody had just listened to her. Yeah, you know, I'm like hey, this guy has a facehugger. The end. They I mean, he, he's been lock. attacked by some sort of alien life form on a ship that's crashed. Let's maybe not. Well, I guess you, know. you, I guess, I guess the other way the movie could have unfolded too, which would have been only a few minutes longer, is they would have been in the airlock with Kane. The alien would have busted out. It would have been trapped. Maybe even before it became like a full-on xenomorph. 
They would have just then, pumped the airlock and it would have been yep, done. Yeah, boom. But well, but again, Ash wouldn't have let that happen. So that yeah. that there is, I guess, the linchpin point is that regardless of what anybody else thinks, the synthetic is manipulating everybody yeah. from the beginning. And and they they set it up too, um, which I find it was well done because even even the first time I watched the movie before I knew that he was gonna be the one to be in on the whole thing. Yeah. You can tell, you know, just the way they frame him in shots. He's always very imposing. He, he's always he very lurking. Too, yeah. And the way he plays it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He he's plays just, very. He's always just kind of on like edge, looking, looking at them. It like kind of focuses on them for a little too long. Mm-hmm. Like it, it helps. Like I guess the pacing of the editing also helps that too. Oh yeah. Where yeah, they just sure. kind of leave it there, a little longer, just so it makes you a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. And then you're like. Mm. Why why are we lingering on this guy standing here yeah. looking at this? Like, just, what are we... He's just a guy. He, he's just a guy. <laughs> he's just a science officer. Which also, we didn't know. Oh, yeah. I mean, other than, like, the fact that he's wearing a blue shirt, which doesn't distinguish him as a science officer, but sets him apart. Oh, yeah. Excuse me, from the yeah. other people. He's more clean. He's more kept. And then he hangs... We realize he's the the doctor. And then it's like, okay, well, he's actually the science head. Um, yeah. You know, but... Still. And then he tries beating the shit out of Ripley and shoving well, a magazine down her throat. Which, would that work? I don't think that would work. I don't think Maybe you could... Maybe if you, like, forced it through the back of her head. Well, Because, so I mean, with the way it was rolled up, yeah, probably could have worked. I guess with his uh, superhuman strength, which is later established, mm-hmm. after he they start fighting, he's obviously much stronger than it's been let on. Yeah. Um, But even then, like, if he's trying to suffocate her, it wouldn't work, because she can breathe through the hole... But mm. if he were to, if his plan were to shove it down her throat and like tear her throat open or punch it through the back of her head, I guess. But it's not sharp. Like I don't know. Just brute force, man. I feel like there are better tools oh. that he could have used. <laughs> maybe many. Uh, maybe he was a early early version, an early model synthetic, <laughs> yeah. uh, an AI that was uh, based after somebody who wasn't so intellectually inclined. Perhaps. I mean, they they hit him with a pipe, and then he just. He like started fucking losing his shit. True. He it wasn't like he was that. It's also interesting. That he really milk? interesting. I mean, yeah, there is the whole <laughs> their whole head milk thing. Got head milk. I mean, Got tell head you. milk. <laughs> <laughs> but but also okay. So by Prometheus and by Alien Covenant and and now I haven't seen Alien Two or Aliens or like any of the other movies besides Prometheus and the Co- and Covenant. Well, Alien Two is Aliens. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> um, besides that, in the new ones, synthetics are pretty well established. You know, we mm-hmm. have David, who is our um, friendly synthetic terrorist who destroys everything, basically. And then that's in Covenant, right? No, no. In he fucks everything up in Prometheus, and then in Covenant, they find oh, him on the planet right. fucking other shit up right, and trying right, to right. like yeah. make pets out of these aliens. Oh. Um, but in this movie, people are people are really surprised, and they don't call him a synthetic. They don't call him an AI. They just call him a robot. And it makes he, more sense to have him kind of like on the on the down low, where they give him a name and stuff, and he can kind of act human. And then all of a sudden, he just, you know. Yeah, he's 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 like maybe he's on the cutting edge at this point. Like technology that this robotic technology hasn't been revealed yet. Because yeah. because that, yeah. well, like everybody feel seems like they don't even know what to do with him when 
by Prometheus and Covenant, like we've pretty well established that like a synthetic is a synthetic and they exist everywhere, but we don't know anything about them in this or where they come from or how many of them there are. Yeah, because it doesn't. I guess I can't. I I don't remember Prometheus and I don't remember Alien Covenant that well. I remember Prometheus only because I watched it before I watched Covenant in hopes that I might like it a little bit more. Right. It didn't work. Yeah. It didn't work. So w- what was the deal with Prometheus? Were they like some secret agency like on uh, this alien planet? Or no. Like? So the the plot essentially for Prometheus is these people are going on a on a mission. I can't even remember what their mission is. It was not relevant at all. Uh, oh, no, it was. Okay. So they're basically – they receive data that suggests that they have found the people who possibly created humanity. And so they send – a, a group of people to represent humanity to go and find them and try and learn about humans and 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 some people think that they're they're the creators of people and some people yeah, think yeah that they're I remember that or whatever part, yeah so they go to this planet they find this ship that's been buried underground and they find the the face hugger uh, outbreak problem and mm-hmm. there's a synthetic on the ship and it's basically like the synthetics are are slaves to the Wayland Corporation, kind of like like yeah, yeah. Wayland mm-hmm. himself ha- is like the controller owner of this uh, synthetic, and he, for some reason that I still can't figure out, decided it was smart to put a little bit of the the infected like liquid that they found in one of the eggs into one of the guy's coffees, and then he gets like alien shit in his eye, and mm. and this is supposed to be like the prequel. To yeah. the whole trilogy, so then, like, this is before the aliens have evolved properly, and they're slightly different, and and then in the second one, in Covenant, it's like, oh, well, you know, a, a completely unrelated ship crashes, yeah. or fucks up, or whatever, and they find him, like, messing, the, the, an- the as, android as, messing. As far, as far as I'm concerned, Covenant and Prometheus don't even exist in that universe. Yeah, But, I, like, with the synthetics, have. but with, with the th- synthetics at the time of Alien, they should be pretty, like relevant like people should know about him the but, first one you think right? yeah but it's like why don't they know about this guy probably because he was kind of like he was kind of like a infiltrator yeah but or model. but then why do they call him a robot why don't they call him an, a synthetic or an android because he's not really a robot no he's not yeah. right he's, a he's an android organism yeah he's yeah. and <laughs> and they don't call him that and they don't seem to like so i, I that's probably at the end of the day, it's probably over analysis because really oh, what yeah. it was is it was probably just at the a, time the movie was come out and they're like, oh, we yeah, this twist. is this is what we're going to do because this is cool that he's a robot and we'll surprise everybody. So they wanted everybody to be surprised yeah. and it had no story significance at all. But I just found it kind of interesting to think about anyways. And what a twist it was. The first time I watched it, I was a little bit surprised. <laughs> I had no idea he was going to be a robot. Yeah. And then yeah, I saw the head milk and I was like, why is your head sweating milk? Yeah. And and what's wrong? And then there's this moment of realization and I'm like, what what are we realizing? Why are we realizing things right <laughs> now? What is happening? Oh my god. And then and then, you know, they fight and I'm like, okay, they still haven't told us what's going on yet. Yeah. Why are they fighting now and why is his head bleeding milk? <laughs> and then he why is he super strong? And then when they, he, he takes a fire hydrant to the neck, I'm like, "Oh." Oh, he's a robot. He's an alien. <laughs> he's a he's an Olin. He's the Olin. He's been taken over by the that, face the, huggers. The xenomorph was actually trying to save them by killing by killing them because <laughs> really it wasn't the xenomorph they should be worried about. It was definitely Ash. Yeah. The ruthless robot alien. Yep. <laughs> 
he's the real villain of this movie. <laughs> that alien man, he was just doing his thing. He was just along it for the ride. He was just instinctual. You know, you can't blame an animal for doing what it what it's bred Instinct. to do. Yeah, you know, Ash is the real villain in this movie, and he gets what's coming to him. He gets his head knocked off, and then he gets melted. Or maybe the real villain is man. (gasps) Anyways. (laughs) Well, uh, we're cutting pretty tight to an hour here. I think, uh, I mean, we could push on, and we could, I'm sure we could talk forever about this movie, but at a certain point, like, you know, there's only there's only so much yammering that can be handled. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, I think we can we can probably pretty safely wrap this up. Do you have any closing thoughts you'd like to you'd like to throw in before we wrap it up? Um, yeah, I'd like to go back to the uh, Blade Runner podcast that we did. Oh yeah, and uh, mention that the score is very good because I don't think I ever mentioned the score in once. Blade Runner. Yeah, in Blade Runner one and two. Oh man, that, <laughs> so, that, that's that a was, long time ago to that, be saying that, that. That was one of the things that's been eating away at me since oh, I since, since I did that Japan. one. Yeah. Fair I was enough. like, it's like shit. I didn't talk about the the score. The, the so. score was fantastic. Yeah. Um. And and in. I wonder. Well, I, actually, speaking of the score for Alien, um, there were times I I mentioned this to you too, where the t- at times it kind of sounded like The Shining, but yeah, or, The Shining sounded like Alien. Yeah, because The Shining is like is a later movie than Alien. Yeah, but there are times where, especially when he's in the vent or whatever, it's like it just got that. It's got the same the shining vibe. Yeah, yeah. it's got the shining vibe and going it, for it. It's interesting because I I have found that there are some movies that really really draw my attention to the soundtrack. Like they want mm, me, yeah. They want me to hear it. They want me to remember the songs and they want me to remember the music. Yeah. And they want me to feel it. Mm-hmm. But I don't think Alien is one of those movies. I we got to the end and now I think back and I'm like you know what? That's the only part of the score I remember. I don't remember much of it at all. It's it's not. There's no songs. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no full blown music per se. There it doesn't is, have a theme song. No, there's there's ambient sounds, there's ambient music, and there's there's essentially I mean I don't know what else to call it, but artistic like noises put together into a rhythm in a lot of places. But here's here's like another uh kind of weird thing, just kind of talking about movie scores here for a sec, but like uh the Joker's theme song from the Dark Knight, it's mm-hmm. just it's like metal on a violin or something or on a guitar. Oh, really? Yeah, that's what I oh. it's, it's something like what it is. It's it's something bizarre. But whenever you hear that sound, you know, you know Joker, yeah. right? It's recognizable. Yeah. And or the Batman from 1989. I always know that. And that's what also the uh uh animated series was based off. Yep. Was that theme song? Like when you hear that, you know it's Batman, right? Yeah. But with sure. Alien, you're just kind of like it's it's scary music. Yeah, it's 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 not meant to do anything but complement the visuals to mess with your head and, a little and bit mess too. with your head. High and, pitched sort and of. And I think yeah. they integrate things well because it's it's very mechanical sounding. I found from mm. what I can remember yeah. of it now. Yeah. And I Synthetic think they work almost. like those alarm bells and like those like. Yeah, I do. Yeah, and like the heartbeat. And the heartbeats. Yeah. It was really really well executed overall, and I mean like it's not. I don't think either of us came into this this episode expecting to talk about Alien as a movie that was not well executed. Oh no, it um, works. It totally works. I mean, I have I have seen a specific trend in in Ridley Scott's writing and I'm I'm going to stop myself. Okay. So he didn't actually write it and that's that's mm. that's exactly what I expected. Um but I've seen a, a trend in the in the movies he directs and the and the way they progress that that feels like the 
the writing is not flawless by any means. Um, there are there are like pieces. I, I, like as a writer, there are pieces where I go through and I, 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 I'd change maybe this line of dialogue or, yeah. or alter these things. Like, but like, yeah, for sure. But overall, I think for for its time um, as an early sci-fi horror, um, it definitely set the bar. Yeah, you know, for a lot of different movies. And 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 is an one that yeah. also had a crossover with Alien. Uh, well, yeah, I mean that's AV, pretty much AVP what it is was, now. Well, and it started as a comic book series. Started Predator com- or AVP? Uh, um, Alien vs. Predator started really? in comics, yeah. It, it's not canon, though, right? Can, technically? Or is uh, it considered canon now? I can't... I, I I would say it was considered canon up in... Well, I think it still is. Because I don't think anybody really counts the movies as Alien vs. Predator as something that's canon. No, then that, that's what I mean, so, I guess, right? Is it like they're I mean, not technically... Predator also fought Batman, too. <laughs> Wait, really? In, in the comics, yeah. Really? Yeah, man. That's... It was pretty sweet. Like, it was shot like a Predator movie. Canon... Or canon. I'm not talking about canon here. I'm talking about comics. Comic books are really interesting because they're... I wouldn't say that they're fast to put out, but they're, their stories are often um, shorter per per issue because they're not that long. Um, they're very visual. They're, there's there's a lot about them, but... Yeah, it, comic it comes... books are very, like, cinema. Yeah, they it's are. All, it's all really showed in and, imagery. And the interactive universes that that comic books go through. Well, I mean, whether you're talking about like, you know, Spider-Man having eight different versions and in, in mm-hmm. nine different universes, and you know, that whole Into the Spider-Verse yeah, thing, yeah. bringing them all together based on the comic that brought them all together and all mm-hmm. that. Like, the things that they do with the IP are so creative in in comic book based worlds um, that. I just you you could never do in any other medium, and they try yeah, they and, try in film and it, it doesn't work. Yeah, the, like I was actually thinking about that today, like earlier, um, that comic comic book movies tend to work better in animation just because they can exaggerate things and they can yeah. do different things. And uh, I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard reviews as uh, Into the Spider Verse. Like I haven't seen it yet. I either, heard it's but one of the best Spider-Man movies, and I've I think heard it's that... one of the best superhero movies. Oh, really? To come out. Well, and it um, makes sense. Like it, it's animation. It lent, like the comic book imagery lends itself to animation. Yeah, it does, and and I mean that's not to say that I don't like a lot of the live-action Marvel movies because I think oh, for I think what they are, are yeah. they've they've done a good job of yeah. of adopting. That style in the same way that something like... And you have like, to adapt it, too, to cinema as well. Yeah, and I mean, in, in the same way that something like, say, Scott Pilgrim um, was a comic book, or a graphic novel, I guess, adapted yeah. to a movie, and, like, they did it interestingly, and they, they played with, with all kinds of things to make it happen, and that kind of stuff works. Oh, yeah. But the, the, the just... I mean, Marvel did it best when they created a universe that people kept coming back to watch. Not 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 in the comic book universe, but in the MCU, where they've mm-hmm. created the same volume of media that people are willing to continue to pay for over and over and over again, even though it feels like remakes and reboots and whatever else. Yeah. Just because it's a different, it's it's the same thing that a comic book is. You know, if you got a, if you're a fan of a comic book, that's what you get anyways, right? You get the same things. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, so I. Just before, just before we sign off, yep, I have yep. a suggestion. Let's hear it. So I was talking to you about the uh, HBO Spawn series, right? You were, yes. I suggest that we watch the live action one and then we watch the HBO series because they're very, 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 very different. 
Okay. And you want to do the live action one first and then the, the yeah. animation one second? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yes. Okay. I mean, there's more there's more uh, content with the HBO that, series, that which true. I think is what helps it. But also, it's animated, right? It is animated. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I I don't know. I think that's a good kind of segue into into maybe what we should start working yeah. on next. Yeah. Interesting. I I, I can uh, I can maybe get behind that. Cause yeah. I can maybe get behind that. Maybe and that's the, what we'll do next time. And just like one more little side note, Spawn was or. The guy who created Spawn, Todd McFarlane, was also the co-creator of Venom. Oh yeah. Back in the early '90s or late '80s, mm -hmm. and he's the one who put um, Venom into the mainstream. And, okay. Uh, Spawn, because I think he did Venom before he did Spawn, and Spawn is very uh, a lot. I'm not gonna say it's very similar to Venom, but it's a lot like Venom in some it's ways. Reminiscent of in a, in a way. Or slash inspired by. Like yeah. I feel like. Once Todd McFarlane developed Venom some more, he's like, I'm going to use some of these things for my own character, and that's what he did. And, and I mean, there's also a certain level of, like, you learn from your mistakes, you know? Like, um, to 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 go to a, a completely different sort of range, but we're talking about, like, say, the the Jungle Book movie that came out. Mm. The, not not the most... Is there... Not, maybe it's you're called talking Mowgli? About your, yeah, Mowgli the, was the new one. The live-action one Book. with... The animated animals, essentially. Yeah, it had like Scarlett Johansson and Bill Murray. And, I think so, and uh, and some other people. Benedict Cumberbatch, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And Christopher Walken. And Christopher Walken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That one. Yeah. So they they did that one first. Disney does that one first because that is a Disney property, I believe. Right? Yeah. And yeah. and they tested out the the levels and the bounds that they had with graphical construction of fur, mm, and mm. it wasn't perfect. No. You know, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't no. bad, but it wasn't perfect or great. It was just pretty it, all right. It was passable. Yeah. yeah. And now that they've done that and they've learned from how they did that, now it's, they're making the Lion King. Yeah. Quote unquote live action. But the whole thing is just it looks and like it's just it, going to be plates with animated it's, animals it's, on it's it. An, it's a new era of Disney animation. That's how I kind of want to yeah, look at it's it. It's still but animation. They should make different movies they I, shouldn't keep redoing old ones i would say so but the problem is the remakes are, are working you know they're making the money i mean there's an entire youtube video on it by uh film oh boy i hope i don't fuck this up I, i'm pretty sure it was the film theorist uh made a video about or maybe oh i don't know if it was damn it anyways i'm making a reference here there's a youtube an entire youtube video just on disney remakes and like the money-making machine that Disney has created by taking old things out of their vault and remaking them. Um, oh, it makes total sense. It, it just, it, you know, there's it, the populace like, out here who say make new things and then they pay money to go see them anyway. Because animation leaves so much up to the imagination as well. So, like, say if you watch, um, let's say, Fox and the Hound or something from mm -hmm. Disney, you're like, I wonder what that would look like if it were real. Right? Yeah. That's always kind of in the back of your head too, right? So now Disney's going to go, oh, well, why don't we make it quote unquote real. real yeah um even though it's still animation it feels real because the plates are real yeah or um or it's animation mixed with live action yes sometimes yes um and sometimes that works and sometimes that doesn't so yeah but that's neither here yeah. nor there yes um <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening and uh we are excited to be back doing this absolutely um, and we look forward to bringing you in the next one. You can uh, find us on Twitter at Cinematics Cast. You can find us on Instagram. Instagram at Cinematics Cast. I think. Uh, Cinematics Podcast. Cinematics Podcast. Yeah. Um, 
And you can also find me on Instagram at Dark Sales Films or on Twitter at Minimal Tales um, if you want that sort of stuff. That was a mouthful. That was a mouthful. <laughs> uh, and Polly still doesn't have much by way of contactability. Not yet. Not I'm yet. working on it. One day. I'm working on it. One day. I'm, I'm slowly emerging from the shadows, <laughs> as it were. Coming out of the dark corner of <laughs> yeah. the room. The sun burns his vampiric skin. <laughs> the sun that is social I know, media. I just, I just don't look as good in the sunlight as I do in the dark. Oh, I see. Look better when I got shadows. Some sharp shadows. Some, yeah. uh, some noir contrast. Yeah, got those big contrast. black pits for eyes. Oh, you know what yeah. I mean? Oh, yeah. Some, yeah. some Sin City <laughs> stuff going on yeah. there. I like it. I like it. All right. Or spawn the animated series from HBO. Wait, what? Oh right, because you were telling me before it's yeah. kind of noirish. All right, I'm yeah. I'm excited for this, so yeah. we're gonna we're gonna check this out in the coming weeks. Yes, absolutely. We'll see you guys next time. Peace out, Cub Scouts.